Welcome. I'm Paul Bishop, your host for this installment of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are bonus downloads where my co-host Richard Prosh or I get to hang around the virtual Six Gun Justice podcast water cooler, talking with friends and fellow writers who are also fans of the Western genre. With me today is Preston Lewis, spur-winning author of more than 30 Westerns, as well as numerous short stories and articles about the American frontier. He's best known for his comic westerns, including the well-received memoirs of H.H. Lomax series. Hey, friend, how are you? Doing great, Paul. Glad to be with you today, and it's uh, good to have some human contact in these days. As remote as it is over the internet. (laughs) First, I just want to say congratulations on not one, but two of your recent short stories being nominated for a Will Rogers Medallion Award. Yeah, I was very pleased. I thought one might have a chance, but both was an unexpected pleasure. Who presents those awards, and what does a Will Rogers medallion represent? They're presented in several different categories, novels and short stories and Western humor. They're designed really to represent Will Rogers, who was one of America's great humorists. A couple years ago, in a previous Lomax book, Bluster's Last Stand, It won the Will Rogers Award for Western Humor, so I was very pleased about that because I've always admired Will Rogers and what he stood for. These stories originally appeared in short story collections? Uh, Yes, they were anthologies by Five Star. I haven't done that many short stories, so whenever the opportunities come up, I contribute, but probably had five or six over the years. And I believe your own genealogy played a part in your story, The Hope Chest, which appeared in the Spoil Quilt Anthology. That's one of the nominated stories? Correct. It's a family mythology. And as I did genealogy, I began to to find out that some of it was true about how my great-grandmother left Alabama under a sort of touchy circumstances to come to West Texas and marry her childhood sweetheart, who her father had prohibited her from marrying while uh, they both lived in Alabama. Basically, she left Alabama for Texas to elope. <laughs> There's always one in every family, right? Oh, it's a great story. And what made it interesting was that while she was waiting at the train station in Anniston, Alabama, a news reporter happened to see her and did sort of a backstory, not naming her, of course, but telling her story. And I've got an original copy of that news clipping. Oh, how fantastic is that? That's really cool. Now, you are really an award-winning author, not just with the Will Rogers Medallion, but you also have had, what, three Elmer Kelton Awards? That's correct, for Best Creative Works on West Texas. That's a group that is always fun to be with because where I got my interest in the West, frankly, was just growing up in West Texas. I loved the history of the cowboy in the West, and that was what was always around me. And then when I was about seven or eight, my parents made a trip to Rio Dosa, which from Midland, that was sort of the paradise with mountain and trees, Midland being sort of dull. And they made a side trip to Lincoln, New Mexico, and it made a tremendous impression on me actually walking the steps that Billy the Kid had in the Lincoln County Courthouse. And that sort of fueled my interest in the Old West and West. Western fiction, and Western history as well. Let's just talk about that briefly before I get back to the Elmer Kelton Award, because Rio Riodoso, that's the first book in a trilogy about the Lincoln County Award. That's correct. It came out this year in the spring, and it's based on three rivers there in Lincoln County. I'm not the first one, of course, to ever do something on Lincoln County or Billy the Kid. But whenever I write, I try to ground it in history and I try to look for aspects of the story that haven't been told before. 
The first one deals with the period before Billy the Kid arrived on the scene and began to make a mark. The second one, which is Rio Benito, is about the Lincoln County War itself. And then the third, Rio Hondo, will be about the aftermath and some of the things like Billy the Kid had a meeting with the Governor Lou Wallace. And it's probably one of the few times in American history where a known outlaw is meeting with the head of a state, in this case a territory, to try to work out his problems. And so that's the type of thing that, while it's been covered in a lot of the history books, hadn't been covered in some of the fictional accounts. Rio Rodosio has a great cover on it. Both Rich Prosh and I have read it because we got to review copies thanks to Five Star. But I have to tell you, when we were reviewing the book on the Six Gun Justice podcast, we could not get out the word Riodoso. We were trying to figure out how do you pronounce it? And I mean, we must have tried six times and then we got into hysterics and we had to stop and come back an hour later and redo the broadcast because we were all over the place. It was one of those things where one of you gets the giggles and then off you go. Oh, well, if you grew up in West Texas, Rio Dosa, like I said, sort of a paradise. So you learn about it and you learn how to pronounce it because it's where you can go in the summer for some cool breezes and some trees and mountains. Yeah, but I'm a California kid, right? Uh, there's no surfing <laughs> spot named Rio Dosa, So <laughs> Well, there's a lot of places in California I can't pronounce. Nor should you. I do want to go back, though, and talk about the Elmore Kelton Award that you won for the fleecing of Fort Griffith, because one of my favorite things is caper novels. Yeah, it involves a English baron who arrives in Fort Griffin, Texas, around 1876 with a satchel full of money intent on buying land and establishing a ranch to raise buffalo. And this is a time when people are killing buffalo left and right. So everybody sees him as having sucker written on his forehead and start trying to steal his money. And it's got a lot of offbeat characters and con artists that arrive in Fort Griffin to try to relieve him of his financial asset. Everybody wants in on the money. Oh, yeah. Sounds like exactly the kind of thing I enjoy. Now, as you move on and into your other stories, you started with a pen name of Will Camp. That was a family name from genealogy, a great-great-grandfather that was in the Civil War, a very colorful character. And when I started writing in mass market paperbacks were more prevalent in the Western field, the adage was you always wanted a pen name that started with A, B, or C because they would be at eye level at the book racks. And so Will Camp just seemed to be the name that worked for a lot of different reasons. John Yershka, who was editor of True West at that time, when he first saw that, he said, I needed a business card like Paladin, only have tent, will camp. <laughs> In the 90s, I was working with several publishers, and they didn't want books with the same name coming out in the same year competing against each other. So everything I do now is under my own name, but I did that when I had different publishers. There's a spectacular tale of writer's revenge attached to it. Escape from Silverton, and the revenge has to do with a dream. <laughs> well, I had a dream one night that Will Rogers had come to me asking for some type of adage that he'd be remembered for. So I came up with, I never saw a man I didn't like. And I went back to Will and gave it to him. He said, no, that's not quite it. Adjust it and come back the next day. So I did, and the adage I offered him was, I never manned a saw I didn't like. And so I told that to my wife, which was a mistake, and she was hurrahing me left and right over it. So I thought, well, I'll get even with her. So I was working on a book, Escape from Silverton, finished the book, send it off. And about a year and a half later, she hadn't read the book, and she's lying in bed after it's just come out, and she's reading the book. And all of a sudden, she says, I can't believe this. She takes the book and throws it across the room. And I said, 
what was that about? And she said, this line you worked in. And I said, what line? Because I'd forgotten. And then she said, I never manned a saw I didn't like. Well, I'd contrived in the story to have an axle break on a wagon, and they had to saw the back half off to make a cart to get to Durango. That was a long way around to get your revenge on her making fun of you. That's right. But I think you'll agree most writers can play some games to amuse themselves. Absolutely. Otherwise, we'd all go a little crazy. We're already a little crazy, so a little crazier. Tell me about H.H. Lomax. I kind of see him sort of as a flashman of the West. Is that fair to say? I think that's a good comparison. It started in the 90s when Greg Tobin was the editor at Bantam. And he came to me and he said, Preston, you know, you write sort of funny. And, you know, that's not necessarily the type of thing you want to hear an editor tell you. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, you just always have a little bit of an offbeat or off-kelter view of things in the West. And he says, have you ever thought about doing some comic Westerns? And the thought had never entered my mind. So they hooked me up with Book Creations Incorporated, and I started this series. Basically, what they wanted was someone that traveled throughout the West, meeting all the name characters and having fun with it. So that was a really a great opportunity for me. So I did three books for them, one on Billy the Kid, one on Jesse James, and the other on the gunfight at the OK Corral. And it seemed to go well. But shortly after they were published, Westerns began to go downhill, and many publishers either dropped them or, in some cases, some of my publishers went bankrupt. In fact, one Western writer dubbed me the typhoid Mary of Western writers because so many bad things happened to the publishers they'd contracted with. Anyway, after I retired, I got the rights to the Lomac books and have since done uh, three additional ones. Bluster's Last Stand on the, the Little Bighorn, First Heard to Abilene, a trail drive novel, and the latest one will be out next month, North to Alaska. But I look for things to incorporate that, like I said earlier, that haven't been that much covered. And North to Alaska, it spans about two decades between Colorado, where Lomax has a date with Susan B. Anthony, who was actually in Leadville, Colorado at the time, promoting suffrage. It's a beautiful country, and we've made a couple of cruises to Alaska and just love it. So I was excited to be able to put some of that travel to use in this novel. When somebody tells you you write funny, does that put pressure on you? It's hard enough telling a story to begin with, let alone having to make it funny. Well, it's hard to explain. First, my brother was always the comedian in the family. He was always the one that everybody would laugh at. It just happens as I'm writing. I see odd incidences or occurrences or things that like, oh, that would be interesting. Well, in Mix Up at the OK Corral, Lomax becomes, to my knowledge, the only fictional character in Western novels to have a tooth removed by Doc Holliday. And it comes after he's spit in Doc Holliday's whiskey. <laughs> it's the setup many times that contributes to the humor. One of the other things about the Lomax books, especially the three new ones that have come out from Wolfpack, mm -hmm. is the covers by Tony Macero. They're oh, fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't real lucky with my covers early in my writing career, but boy, the last six to eight years, I've just been truly blessed. There's some spectacular covers, both from Wolfpack, Five Star, and even Wild Horse Press that did some of the Lomax stories. And that cover for Luster's Last Stand, Tony took the caricature route, and I thought it really fit the stories. I don't think I've had a cover ever done that was so apt for the story. I mean, it just fit it all perfectly. And Custer is one of those characters that you either love or hate. And I tend to be in that latter category. I've just been put off with historical individuals that have so much confidence that they blunder into things that get others killed. 
And he certainly did that on a large scale. Absolutely. And the covers for the next two books, First Heard to Abilene and North to Alaska, those are such beautiful paintings, you could take them and hang them on the wall. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've been very blessed. Tony has done a couple covers for some omnibus editions, some of my previous ones, and they're spectacular too. And he's also an excellent Western writer. I understand that. I'll have to pick one up and read it. I just hope he doesn't ask me to do a cover. <laughs> me either. It would be like stick figures on a stick horse, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you have the Lincoln County War trilogy. Is that finished or are you still writing that? The second one's with the publisher. I'm about halfway through the third one. And what comes next after that? Well, I'm sort of looking at trying to do a series character a little bit different set in Texas. Maybe I can't decide whether it's a sort of a Western detective or just a gun for hire, I guess is the best way to put it. So still working on that and formulating it in my mind. It'll be a little different. He'll be headquartered out of Galveston, Texas, that much I know, which was an interesting city in Texas history, very cosmopolitan and for many years, the biggest city in Texas. I will look forward to that as I do to all of your books, and I appreciate you taking your time to be with us here today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. It's been a real pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you on down the trail in person. Hopefully at a Western Writers of America conference if we ever get back to normal. I'm with you 100%. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the Six Gun Justice website at www.sixgunjustice.com for information on prior Six Gun Justice conversations, Six Gun Justice speed lessons, and full-length episodes of the Six Gun Justice podcast, along with regularly updated book reviews, articles, and interviews covering all aspects of the Western genre. Until next time, be kind to others, be kind to yourself, and keep your Bowie knife sharp. Adios. We're out of here.